0: Hello, you're listening to Bergcast, the podcast dedicated to the work of essential British writer and dramatist Nigel Neal. Regular listeners might know that since we released the last episode, news came through that a hitherto forgotten Australian adaptation of the Quatermass experiment from 1967 was brought to light by researchers on a TV show celebrating the career of a beloved Aussie comedian so they could surprise him with an embarrassing clip of him starting his career in science fiction. Everyone in the studio laughed, but Twitter user Weird posted a shot of his TV and asked if anyone knew about this. Listener, we did not. Suffice to say, the online fan community, or the Quatermassive, and I get to call it that because I'm editing this, and John can't stop me, might as well have unearthed a 5 million year old Martian starship given the excitement this generated. With the support of colleagues, among them Simon Garrier and Johnny Maines, John sent some emails and is now working on getting it licensed for screenings in the UK in the near future. When we've got more information about that, we'll let you know. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter for any news. You can find us there as Birdcast Calling. The excitement of that revelation has eased off a little, but the sheer delight generated by this episode's podcast guest is frankly lasting, because we have the woman in black herself, Pauline Moran, who despite being unwell at the time, very graciously agreed to talk with us. We talk about Pauline's long career in acting, and before that her somewhat shorter career as a psychedelic rock bassist, how you audition for a role that doesn't have any lines, A surprising use of cling film and the dreadful lack of acting roles for older women in the industry. Also, The Scream. This is Bergcast, episode 32 Back to the Woman in Black.
1: First of all, uh, welcome uh, to BirdCast, uh, Paulie Moran. Thank you for welcome. joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: As we start um, with everyone, our, our first question always is, um, were you um, aware of, of, of growing up of Nigel Neal and his, and his work?
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, all the black and white uh, versions of... Um, it wasn't was quite a mess in the pit.
1: Yes. that was that was yes. the third one. Yes, it the Quasar yes. yeah. yeah.
2: Yes, well, I did see that, and I remember the the opening of the front of the spaceship when they took um, the Barrio away, and there was the there were these strange creatures hanging in a web, and they were sort of desiccated and crunchy, and they when the one fell down, the whole you went behind the sofa because you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that um i do remember that very very clearly i think that was the only one i saw i must have been in my early teens then i think the um, ago. i f-
1: think you'd have been about about 9 or 10 or 11 no. then, i think Yeah, about mm-hmm. 50 oh, 58 59 uh
2: yes nine yes. i think no, yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah so it's um so he was so his his work was i think you know from that from the early early days of 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 television almost as we as 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 mm-hmm. we as 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 we know it um,
2: oh and i f- remember that the location of it. it was called hobbs lane
1: it was yes and that yeah, was yeah. the thing yes uh, as the, uh, one of neil's great strengths i think there which we'll come on to when we talk about um women in black is um taking things from the past and explaining things like superstition things like Giving giving us scientific reasons for hauntings, great, and mixing that in well with I think with 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 technology, but never diminishing, never diminishing sort of the power of the of the of the un of the unknown. I think that's that's his great strength. Um, but to talk about to talk about you uh, for a second, um, long before. Um, Nigel Neill, Women in Black and the events of, of 1989 become, uh, become, 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 become relevant. How did you start off in, 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 as, a, as an actor?
2: Um, well, I did audition for drama school when I was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, I got in one, but my local education authority, Blackpool, wouldn't give me a grant to go. Everybody got a grant in those days. And I do believe very firmly that education should be free, even now. Um, So I went off on the road with a rock band for five years as a bass guitarist. And we did several singles over here and and in Europe as well. And I auditioned for RADA again. And I had to fly back from Jersey, where we were doing cabaret. And... uh, Um, I met the principal of RADA, Hugh Crutwell, on my own and went down into the basement in the little theatre and did a couple of pieces for him. And we walked back up the stairs to the ground floor and he said, well, you know, we've only got seven places for girls this year, but I think you've got one of them. So that was when I went to RADA and uh, came out in 72 and my very first job was at Liverpool Everyman. Oh um, yes, yes. And my first role was Cordelia in King Lear, um, playing with Jonathan Price and Anthony Sher. And you know, good, very good productions um, under Alan Dosser, who, who was artistic director at the time.
1: That's and not a bad place to to start with and not a bad role, is it? No,
2: no, no. definitely not. And I did Lady Anne in Richard III to Jonathan Price. And, uh, yes, it was a very good way to start off. And then I went to the, the Playhouse, Liverpool Playhouse. Mm-hmm. I did um, uh, I can't remember what it was now. Um, uh, it'll come to me. It's um, Age-Related Cognitive Decline, I think they call it. Mind <laughs> you, it was a hell of a long time. It is a
1: very, very long time. Yeah. Oh, I, I know, the
2: ring. importance of being earnest. Oh,
1: marvellous, yes. Yes, okay. I was
2: Cicely Cardew in that, which is a very good...
1: Mm, it is, oh. yes.
2: <laughs> Again. Can um, I ask what the name oh. of your
1: rock band was, sorry?
2: Yes, She Trinity.
1: She Trinity, And okay, And our,
2: right. our recording manager was um, the great Mickey Most. Okay. Who, who, who right was the Simon Cowell of his day, mm. of course. And we, we did, um, in fact, we, we were the first cover version of He Fought the Law. Um, okay. I think people have forgotten that, but we were. Oh, when we did, well, four or five singles. Wow, nice. Case, some... Two or three, uh, you know, we, we appeared on TV shows like Thank You, Lucky Stars, Seen at 6.30, um, you know, all, all the big ones yeah. of the 60s, of the late latter half of the 60s.
0: So what, what style of rock music were you? Were you kind of psychedelic? or? Uh...
2: Well, yes, towards the end we were. I suppose we were, but um, we were a pretty heavy band. Um, for, there were five of us in the end, and, and for a, about a year we had the great Barbara Thompson on sax. And um, Eileen Woodman, she's Eileen Harran now, as an um, organist. And, and we bought her a big Hammond C3, which was the coveted organ to have in bands in those days. Yes. And, and our, um, we had a Swedish lead guitarist, Inge Jonsson. And I'll never forget the day when she we met her at Heathrow. And she came off the plane carrying a guitar case. And our road manager said, no, it can't be. I don't believe it. Rushed up to her, got the case off her, opened it. And inside was a black Gibson Les Paul with three pre-Humbucker pickups, which was the envy of every band in Europe. I think God knows where she got it from, but she did and we always had, and Barbara Thompson used to line up her, um, she had about three saxophones and her flute, and she could play two at once, which was one of her great skills. So yeah. um, it was quite an unusual band.
1: And it was an all female rock band, yes?
2: It was female. Yeah, it was yeah. female, yes. Yes. <laughs> Keep out the law, law and the law will keep out the law.
1: Yeah, how did you, how did you find that experience, and was it something that you that you thought could be an alternative career, or was it always something that you would do until until acting? Yes, um, until
2: career? until I think um, I I always wanted to be an actress. There was never any doubt about that. But um, I thought, well, maybe I can earn enough money to go you know, pay to go to RADA, but I never did, of course. But fortunately, um, when I did go to RADA. I'd, I'd got the grant before I actually got the place at RADA. It was very strange because I went and auditioned for, um, I think it was the GLC, uh, as it then was, um, yeah. for a grant.
1: Right, and okay. They
2: gave me one, and I didn't even have the place. Oh, wow. Good Lord. I say that. And I also had an equity card before I went to RADA.
1: Oh, because through, of. Through
2: being in the rock band. Right. We were then, um, uh, Variety Artists Federation. And of course, they amalgamated with Equity. So that meant I went into Rada with a full Equity card, which helped me get jobs after I graduated.
1: Yes, that must have been because that's half the half the battle, isn't it? Once in, 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 in those days, not only have you graduated, but you need an equity card now to 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 yes. to, 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 to to work to work. So um, after you'd done um, your early jobs in in, in 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 Liverpool, did you continue? Did you? I mean, I know rep was a was 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 a thing that people could you know could move to any part of the country potentially for that. Um, or did you stay in the theatre, or was there opportunities? for telly sort of fairly, fairly um, soon not after.
2: Well, I did a lot of theatre, but, yeah. but my first um, bit of TV film was with Mike Lee, who... Um, right. And, uh, Alison Steadman was in the company, and, of course, um, they were a, a couple at the time, and Mike saw a lot of my work at, at the Everyman. Yes. Okay. And so um, I happened to he asked me in 1975 it was he said it's about time you were on television he said so um um I was in he did a series of films which are now quite famous five five minute films for the BBC okay I was in one called Afternoon and um that was my very first TV job. And I think the BBC sat on those films for about 15 years because they, right. didn't, they didn't fit in any slot. That sounds and like the BBC. Yeah.
1: Yes, because I was trying to think. I didn't know that one. from. I knew that for much later than 75, but that's because I, I was only aware of it. And I probably didn't realise it came out yeah. much later after you'd made it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah.
2: Yes, yes. And um, no, I... I They did a lot of theatre after that. And I I remember at Greenwich Theatre in 78, um, I played the stepdaughter in um, Six Characters in Search of an Author. Yes. And Mike Lee came to see it. And I met him in the bar afterwards and he said, hmm, you were good in that. He said, in fact, you were bloody good. It's about time you were up at Stratford doing a bit. I'm going to write to Trevor Nunn about you. <laughs> and he was there as an as assistant director at the time. Okay, yeah. And had the ear. But all he got, I think, was a couple of sentences from a secretary saying, I'm sorry, we don't want... We, we're we not um, auditioning or or taking on any new people at the moment. So... Um, I, got, I got that letter. He sent that letter to me with a little note on the bottom saying, "Well, I tried." <laughs>
1: <You know? laughs> it's a hard business, isn't it? it? Is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
2: I did actually get in the RSC in the end, but
1: um, but not then. Yeah. Yes. I've <laughs> just checked. Um, yeah, those five-minute films uh, were finally released in September '82. So, some Perfect. seven years off, and I—I I had not clocked when I was clicking through stuff that they were made seven years before that. Good God! So that was, I thought it was
2: longer that the, before the BBC transmitted them. I—I I, well, I may be yes. wrong. It's a long time ago.
1: It is, yeah. I certainly didn't know they were made in um, in 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 seventy-five because I was I was I was looking at some of your early. Uh, early TV stuff, and I'd, I'd put that as later um mm-hmm. because yeah, I hadn't really, I hadn't really clocked that they were made such so, such so, such a long time. Is that? I mean, that's just, I suppose, often the vagaries of scheduling and what do we do with these things? Mm-hmm. And it's it's the actor, indeed, the director or the writer can just be, can just become you know part of the flotsam and jetsam of of, of TV, as we say. It's a it's it's a it's it's a it's a brutal job. I saw you'd worked early on in in your TV career with Warren Hussain um,
2: Oh yes, um- yeah. I was, uh, played a gypsy. What was it called? Um, it
1: was in a series called Romance.
2: That's right, yes.
1: The episode that's, was called Three Weeks. And
2: that's yes, right, you, that's yeah. right, yes. And, uh, uh, and the, the thing was, would you like to sin with Eleanor Glynn on a tiger skin? <laughs> 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 um, no, I played a gypsy. And, um, of course, with my skin being nearly sort of glowing white, as it always has been, um, they had to make, put a deep tan on me, which made me look very strange because my eyes pop out because they're so blue. And um, the accent I used, I'd based on a, on a Rada um, friend, Agape Stasinopoulos, and I had a line going, your, your, your son will grace a throne. And uh, I was very glad to have her t- to refer to for that. Um, yes, it was. I remember Warris was saying, I think he's still with us, isn't he? He is. Yes, America? yes. Yeah, because yeah, he, he is. knows um, a friend of mine who lives in um, Santa Barbara, I think.
1: Right. Yes, he came over, I think about, I think it was tall, actually a bit longer, probably about five years ago, the BFI did a retrospective wow. um, on him as well. And um, I remember one uh, thing he there was a a, a US TV movie um, that he was doing uh, called the hold the haunting of Joel Delaney which has a lot of the oh. yeah has yeah, has a lot of the same themes as um, uh, sort of the later things like The Exorcist uh, the Owen but it was yeah you know, a bit a bit a bit lower a bit lower profile uh, and I'd never seen it and I went in to see it and just as the lights go down uh, a man came and said excuse me and I I usually particularly the BFI have a phobia of anyone that comes in after the lights go down and I'll go. Your time oh. and he and he moved across me in the half and sat down next to me no it was worris the uh I sat,
0: <laughs> so I sat next to the director um, so obviously you know you look look at your cv you've done a lot of but you did a lot of television work through the 80s as well um i noticed you were in the cleopatras oh, as well, well. Cleopatra, we, don't Fahrenheit, about, Fahrenheit. we don't
2: talk about that
0: no, a lot no. of people don't want to talk no. about the Cleopatras, but I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, considering the, the cast. Um, but no, um, and personally yeah. speaking, actually, um, I remember you from one of my favourite children's programmes of my childhood, which was an episode of The Storyteller, the Jim Henson oh, yes, show, yes, and you played the Queen yes. in The Luck Childs. That's right. The yes. one with the griffin, um, yes. which is spectacular puppet effect. But, yes. Um, I, I do remember you sort of being, being this somewhat oblivious queen who was married right. to a very bad man. Yeah, and guess who? The, the,
2: the, uh, I was the empress of Russia. Yes. And he was the emperor of Russia, and yeah. it was Philip Jackson.
1: It was Inspector Jack from Poirot. Yes, 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 right. And we worked
2: together later on.
1: Indeed,
2: yes. That's 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 the one thing I remember. Many people would think that you were
0: best known for, now from television, uh, Miss Lemon in the Poirot series.
2: Yes, I suppose so. I suppose suppose so.
0: (laughs) And that was at the round, I mean... Both
1: Poirot, the the the, the, the David Suchet version, and um, Woman in Black happened the same year, didn't they? Um, so that was quite, I suppose, quite a uh, of year. Do well, you remember? Go on,
2: <clears throat> Poirot was eighty-eight when we first started.
1: Oh, off. was it? Okay, I, right. Uh,
2: Eighty-nine was the Woman in Black.
1: Oh, okay. I remember this there is. Yes. Um, do you remember how the 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 casting for Woman in Black came up?
2: Well, I went out to St Margaret's, I think it was on the on the train. And I, I remember I'd, I'd tried um, a rather punk red dye on my hair, and I thought, well, this would not get anywhere at all. And I met um, Brian Eastman, who was the producer, and I think Nigel Neal was there. Not Nigel Neal, yes, yes, no, not Brian Eastman. I'm on the wrong um, thing entirely. The woman in black, I did go out for the, for the interview, and for some reason, I, I can't imagine why. I got the part. And maybe they were thinking, "Oh, well, well she needn't speak, or it doesn't matter what she looks like." And um, I remember the read- through. Mm. <laughs> and Nigel Neal was sitting right at the end of the table. Which I do remember, but of course nobody really spoke to me because I wasn't a speaking character. And I remember Adrian Rawlings, of course, who subsequently done very well indeed. Yes, and, yes, um, I never saw anybody until we we actually ended up on. I think it was it's O C Island. Um, yes, which yep. is um, on the Blackwater Estuary. In the cold, in the bitter cold. My God, it was cold when we were filming that. It really was.
1: It's a very eerie landscape, that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. They they've used it a couple of times since there was a series a couple of mm-hmm. years ago called The Third Day, and they filmed they filmed that on OC, and it has that terrifying. We're, we're not far from civilization, but the mist come down and turn in the wrong direction, and you'll drown.
2: That's and it's, right. Yes, that's right. They come down very very quickly. The, the sea frets, I think they're called.
1: Indeed. They um, um the sorry the 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 interview that you had was that with yes. presumably with with um, Herbert Wise the director.
2: Um, Yes. 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 Do you remember?
1: What do you remember of 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 working with him?
2: I I, very very professional and organised, and Mm -hmm. could have a bit of a short fuse if people weren't quick enough, you know, to to do what he asked. And I know he was very cross with the little Jack Russell dog that somebody brought. Um, oh, because it wasn't a trained dog, although the owner oh. has said it was and it wouldn't sort of come or sit or fetch or anything. So this cost time. Time is money when you're filming. And I know he, he was apoplectic about it. Very, very annoyed indeed. I don't think he was ever annoyed with me. So that's one thing.
1: Yes, I've I've spotted one thing where I'm fairly sure Adrian Rawlings has got a treat in his pocket uh, when he has to get the dog (laughs) back. (laughs) Because <laughs> the dog is jumping up quite quite a lot in his yeah. pocket, uh, and I'm, I'm wondering if that was a way of of of, of keeping the of, uh, you know of, of keeping the dog under control. Weirdly, one of those have have you ever read uh, the novella of Susan yes. Susan Hill's novella yes. The yes. He changes uh, Neil changes the gender of the dog, and I'm, I'm never sure why. Perhaps that was just the dog the dog they had uh, the dog they had at the time. But yes, it must be a. I um, wonder because that would be something I think you might cut. Um, because Neil, where Neil has that um, has the, um, the has the scenes with uh, Kipps in the house on his own, and he mm. has the, the the wax cylinder, so that he can listen to Alice Drablow. Uh, that's all. That's all him. And it's a great way of you know having info dump in an in an interesting way. What Neil, Neil is very good of. But I was interested that he kept he kept the dog as a character. Well, she had one owner on anyway. I saw no one. Oh, she was inside the church and then waiting outside. Thought she looked unwell, but she's there now. Perhaps somebody ought to go and have a word with her. No, no. Go away! Go away! Quick, get
2: away from here.
1: So your fellow cast, uh, cast members. I know you said you had a, you know, you were, you may have been a little. Uh, sidelined at the read through because by virtue of your mm. part, you don't really have in much in the way, in the way of in the way of lines. Um, but when you were when you were filming, I believe it took there was a they said there was a I believe a, a four week fil- filming process. Mm. Um, was that? But uh, despite um, Herbert Wise being quite a maybe a yeah a, a, a tough taskmaster or whatever, was there mm. generally a good atmosphere on, on set? Oh, yes. And
2: Yes, there was. Um, and, of course, um, my scenes were only really with um, Adrian Rawlins. Mm. And um, he, he was very quiet and reserved at the time and didn't really speak to me. But I've, I've spoken to him since, and I, and I realised that um, it was because it was his very first um, lead on film. And he must have been very nervous indeed, but he didn't show on screen at all
1: yeah it's 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 a uh, it's it's interesting when you look back now and you, you don't necessarily think of it, yeah the late 80s as being when you think of Adrian runnings you think of you know much more much more recent stuff and this is, this is this is this is this is quite this is quite far back so yeah it was a big it was a big um a big challenge i mean i wonder if there was um a choice from uh chris Burt, the producer or if or it did with um uh, Herbert Wise to choose some up and coming actors for the younger part, particularly the, the the young lead. But I'm curious that you were, you know, you 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 were chosen, and you know, you weren't. It wasn't necessarily, you know, uh, a part you know for, for a younger woman, but it was a part you know that was um, uh, possibly seen as older than 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 you might have been cast for. What sort of format was the interview? Because auditioning for that part must have been. You couldn't read for the parts, You couldn't stand there looking menacing for the parts. Um, you couldn't stand on a, well, on a stretch of water looking no, sinister. I, I, um, so what did you do?
2: I think it was just conversation. That, that's all. Right, I was, an interview. In those days, in those days, I did look rather pre-Raphaelite. And I think yes, I, was, okay. I was very much slighter than I am now. <laughs> well, we all about, um,
0: <laughs> quite
2: right. N- uh, probably under seven stone in those days. God. and And um, I, I, I was wraith-like, and I, I do do think I have a sort of mm, uh, antique, otherworldliness, that that kind of thing. Uh, um, Victorian. i mm. more suited to period things. I actually,
1: yes. N- now you've said pre Raphaelite. I can't get that out of my head, particularly when you had red hair. Yes, mm. I can think of a. Yes. I can think of you being painted by Rossetti. That's that's. What, <laughs> that's yeah, know,
0: and certainly in in that um, in that dress, you cut a very very striking figure in the background. The first appearance, really, and mm. second, in, when you're in the graveyard, in the oh, background. Yeah. Yes, yes, and everybody can see you, and. There's just this rail thin figure with straight shoulders, mm. there. And uh,
2: well, we have to thank um, Barbara Cronick, of course, mm. for my mm. appearance because she was the costume designer, and I think she did she, she dressed me excellently well. Oh yes, black,
1: of course, and that's,
2: underneath, of course.
1: Yes, and that tiny, tiny waist, which yes. it creates a slightly, and you know not so much from then, but when you're watching it in the late eighties, not a, not how you would associate the human figure as, as was in that, which I always think creates a slightly eerie, um, eerie, eerie quality. And then of course it's <laughs> unlike say the, uh, the 2012 hammer remake, there's no CGI, there's no manipulation. It's no. literally makeup and shooting. And let's not forget Rachel Portman's um, amazing score. Uh, I think for yes. that particularly, Absolutely. um, and there's that bit. I assume this was, again was been worked out when you were when you were reading and, and filming. But the way Rawlings grabs the back of his neck, I think, yeah. and, then, and then and then and there's just the sound effect just 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 hits. And I've seen that scene. He wheels around, and then you're in you're in long shot, and there's the grave in the distance, and there's Rawlings in the in the, like, the near shot of the camera, it's on this line. And I've seen that done. Two or three times in horror films, and it's—I always think it's wasted, and it's—and ne- it always is, isn't as effective. And I only realised, I think, the last time I saw a film—a film do that—and uh, it didn't work quite as well. And I, I finally realised why. It was—it's um, because it's been earned. And that's the third time you see the woman, mm-hmm. and you see her first of all in the, in, in the church, and she's in a morning dress, and there's nothing particularly unusual about that. And he sees her, and there's no secret. And the second time. He sees her. He's in the graveyard, but then um, Pepper John Cater's character then just refuses to turn around and won't look, and so he can't he can't see <laughs> her. And the next thing he does is panic and tell kids to run away. And oh, and and Wise keeps keeps you in, and he's doing that. Wise keeps you right in the background in that shot when he throws the kids away, like is a sort of thing. And only then, when Waring's turns around, and there's the car has has uh, has Janet Goss gone. Uh, and then to so the third time you see her, you know it's wrong. You know it's wrong. And, and the scene is earned because you've seen her twice. Like it isn't so much of a big thing, just a bit unusual. And then you see her for the third time and you know, the, and then she starts to walk towards Rolling and Eula. And then the music kicks up and he runs. And it's that, and you go for the old fashioned chill, but it's been built beautifully through three other scenes. Uh, and the other ones hadn't, they'd started with that. And you're like, that, that isn't earned and that was, I thought, I thought the pacing was. Um...
2: Well, <clears throat> she appears five times in, in the film.
1: Uh, right, before.
2: okay. And was... um, my, my opinion of the new, the, the latest version of Woman in Black is she's there too often. Mm. Uh, there's too much of it. And therefore, you're not. When it comes, you know, when she, she goes for him.
1: Ah, that scene. Yes. Screen. Oh and, my goodness. Yes. We're gonna, yes.
2: Then, to my mind, that doesn't work quite as well as our version.
1: <laughs> no. And, right. Well, in, I remember when that scene came, and she moves. She does the. It does the uncanny valley thing that I think J horror does well when it's like you, when you move at an unnatural speed or an unnatural movement. But it's it's too it's too wrong. It's too obviously special effect that you takes you out of the drama a little and it's and it's as for a jump scare it works but you can only do that so often but mm-hmm. then this let's bring us into that scene in uh, in 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 your woman in black which I once described as the most welcome ad break in TV history <laughs> yes to um, me yes. in fact I, yes. I think
0: um I I' um, the first time I saw it I was working a night shift all alone and I had it on the laptop, and I had not seen it before. I didn't get to sleep much that night. Really, there's um, <laughs> one. It's not overly effective, because I think one
1: of the things that's often overlooked about the story is there's more than one ghost. There's Janet Ghost and there's the child, and the child is playful and laughs, laughs and you know gives gives Kipps the the toy soldier in, in the room, and then when he's rescued, there's the big drama scene. He's rescued. By Bernard Hepton's character, and the dog's okay. It's good. There's a bit of hope. There's a bit, of, and he's safe. Oh, and I heard the dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the dog. Yeah, and the dog, and it's good when the dog, yeah. when the, when the dog lives. Um, but it's one of those, uh, which is where I think we come out of the novel and the pastiche. But, uh, you, you're to a place of safety, and he gets his hotel. He's escaped. He's off. He's away from your Marsh House. He's away from the causeway. Um, but he's just picked up the papers he needs to to, to complete his job and he can go, go home. And then he finds the, the toy and then he hears the laugh and you just start to process what that means that the ghost of the child has followed him. And then Janet Goss is through the window uh, and it doesn't cut, or well, it does, but about a good 30 seconds after you want it to. And it <laughs> keeps cutting back uh, to your face and it, as, as Rawlings is lying on the bed screaming, obviously having a. And are you on some sort of dolly? Um,
2: I was on um, a dolly with a wind machine blowing my robes out behind me. Right. And as the the dolly was pulled towards the bed, the camera was in front of me, which came towards me at the same time, but focusing away from me, which is why you get that very peculiar um, otherworldly
1: yeah. When you. Look and, at- oh, I've looked at it. I've looked at it several times. And that's your voice, presumably. It is my voice. Your yeah, voice, yeah. Uh, and it cuts, I think it's maybe the third time it cuts back, and you're like, no, stop now, stop now, stop now, stop now. <laughs> and it doesn't. And Wise well, knows what he's doing there. And it's well, like, you think it's going to cut, and it doesn't.
2: Apparently, young Herbie Wise dined out on that screen for quite a long time because nobody could believe I didn't tear my throat out. <laughs> no. It- I'd all. I'd because, heard a story because, because um uh, um it's rather training, darlings. And, um, <laughs> I, I just I didn't. I, I put it in the, the sort of the roof of my mouth and it was more of a Yeah. oh god, three. yes, you just
1: you just did it. You oh, just did it then. Yeah. <laughs> that was so totally oh, just did it. you just did you just did that's what that's how it's that e that, that yeah. almost a rip.
2: Yeah. Um, right. th- oh,
1: yeah, you just um, did that a bit. That didn't was myself
2: at all,
1: I'm afraid. <laughs> Who provided the voice of Alice Drablow then? Did you do that? No. Th- no, no, that's it, it
2: was some um, Herbie Wise's wife.
1: Oh that's Fiona Walker. Right. Fiona okay, Walker, so, yes. Yeah. So she has a dual role in that. Because yes. she plays she plays two Mrs. Toovey as well, doesn't she? Yes.
2: That's yeah,
1: true. okay. That's us as well. Lots of people get confused and think your character is Alice Drablow when it's 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 the sister. Mm-hmm. Although he change, he cha- he changes, he changes the name. But that,
0: that is part 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 of the mystery of the play. I mean, was you yeah. supposed to think that the woman in black is Alice Drablo for a big chunk of it? Yeah. Until we find out, it's actually her, her poor sister. Yes.
1: Yeah, the fact she's at the funeral it, makes you think it's oh, it's the ghost of the woman you're you you burying with her, yeah. bundling. Bandling, yes, a bastard yeah. child. Oh, that's lovely. Um, Neil uses that throughout his career. I'm just thinking like Quatermass 2, where it courted a girl from Wollison Flats, married her in the end, through to, yeah, a bandling, a bastard child. It's just, it's a great sense of place in his dialogue. Um, it's really as well. Did you say he was on set? Did you, did, Or was it just in the read-through? No, I
2: don't think, it, well, he wasn't on the set when I was
1: there. Right, okay. Right, okay. Yeah, it's um I understand from Herbert Wise always wasn't the greatest fan of having writers on 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 set. Oh. Um I think it's um some people also want to clarify a meaning with a writer and a, a director will may say, we're now on set, it's my set. Well the writer's done their job. You now come to you now come to me. And if the writer wants to chat to me, that's fine, but you chat to me. That was mm-hmm. I think how it so I can see why maybe it was thought best that the that the, that the I know Chris Bird got on very, very well with um uh, with with Nigel Neal because he commissioned him for his next job as well after, after, after this as well. Famously, Neil, um, uh wrote this in in ten days and was told by his agent, "Don't tell them that and hold on to it for another month uh, in case they in case they <laughs> basically throw it back um, and want rewrite. I think you haven't done a good enough job." Yeah. But I think it was a good renaissance in his in, in his later career because he'd sort of pretty much stopped working mainly on on telly after sort of the mid the mid he'd done another series actually with, with Herbert Wise and the mid and Fiona Walker in uh in about 86. He'd done a TV movie in 87. But again he'd moved away from uh-huh. from supernatural, moved away from from genre into sort of social realism, housing and you know more more uh more related, you know, sort of everyday contemporary contemporary drama, sort of class uh-huh. stuff. But this was a huge I think because Ted Childs who was the exec producer I know who had worked with him on the final on the final quater mass, um approached him for this and I think this is a they wanted you know they they as you see you've read you've read the story but to take from sort of what's quite an Edwardian pastiche of a ghost story and strip it down to its to its layers and the beautiful dialogue and the beautiful sense of um it's not it's one of those drama where you have an outsider going into going into a sense of danger, but unlike, but you know what I like about it is the locals. You know, the locals aren't you know, hostile. There's just a you like there's a, there's a great unsaid, and nobody wants to talk. No, um, but hostile. but there's no hostility. Just a you, you like almost a sadness that you can't. And, there, and there's a world that that he's, that he's showing, like the character of Keckwick, William William Simmons' character, who's in it probably even less than. Than, 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 than your character he's yeah. only in like maybe two scenes but he has like a world, like you know he's like um all, there are worlds within worlds shown within that character and how he yeah he helps he's a factotum sort of everyone knows him he'll as well and there's a world just disappearing there and neil brings in those things like the uh you know the generator. Uh, which has a brilliant, you know, then uh, has a brilliant time to then go out in a great moment, or the or the, as I said before, the the wax cylinder allowing you know exposition to be more to to be to be more interesting, and standing against that is you know this vic- this this figure of a Victorian woman, and Neil again uh, has form with sort of the association of sort of female power. And witchcraft, and how and how that feeds into a distinctly sort of male anxiety of a silent, all-powerful woman that you can't, whatever happens, you oh, can't escape. God. You know,
0: and it's <laughs> but there's
1: that example of the of, of of the real fear, and the you know, if all, it's been said that horror is you know just is the return of the of the, of, of of the repressed, uh, something coming is coming back, and just for that moment, that ending. Uh, when you think you've already had like a warning, that this is going to happen, as I said, with uh, the safety of the bedroom and then the infamous scene uh, where she comes. But now you're home and you're still working through the trauma and you think you've got to the end. You mm. think that Kipps, who's still traumatised, yeah, burns his office and he still can't believe it as well. Um, but he's like, and again, far more, far more... Um, uh, uh traumatic than the than the novel when they're throwing off a off a pony and trap but to then just show the, just just the, the just a beautiful family moment and then again it, all it needs is cutting and acting and and i assume you're just stuck on a anchored raft which is a in the middle of um a lake
2: a lake uh, yes well, I- I think Robert, you, you know Robert Taylor.
1: Robert he, Taylor, yes, indeed. He, he, oh, is um, it, it, Gro- it Groveland's?
2: I think, yes. It's Groveland's. It it's not, it's about two miles about from where I live. That. All I could tell him about that was that I rem- rem- remember being driven into that park through cast iron gates, quite elaborate ones, with, in the form of an arch, and he traced it to Groveland's, which was an extraordinary um, thing to do He but that lake, um, I was standing on a, on a piece of timber about the size of a chopping board. And oh, cool,
0: crikey. And I'd always assumed it was like a,
1: like a platform of like, but no, mm. like we're talking. No, no,
2: it was, a, it was quite small. Oh, my God. And it was just beneath the surface of the water. And uh, that day, um, it was bitterly cold and there was a very strong wind blowing. So um, the ripples on the surface of the lake were eddying in. round um, the, the board, and oh, the wind oh. seemed to be coming in the different direction to the ripples. So it was, it was an optical illusion, and it wasn't easy to stay upright. It really wasn't. And, and it was, there was a lot of drizzle, and Barbara Kronig had put me in a full-length um, thermal comms underneath <laughs> black frock, and I was wrapped in cling film. In film, in cling film underneath because of the penetration of the the water. The water. Blimey! So <laughs> it wasn't a comfortable shoot
1: because the, comfortable. the 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 first shot, and it's like three static shots that cut closer and closer and closer. Like even if uh, there's a boat just out of shot waiting to pick you up, you know it's quite a way away, you know, it, it, yeah, you're, quite, yeah. you're quite isolated.
2: If I fallen, then that would, yeah. can't swim, so that would have been oh. the, the end of it. So.
0: And you only got a foot and a half either way to stand on I think it you? was
2: very small, yes, absolutely. I remember thinking, I, I can't move right or, or left, front or back, because this thing is so small, I've got to stay central. I've got oh. to be in the middle of it.
1: How long, How long were you there? Yeah, sorry. Yeah.
2: Um, uh, I can't remember, but mm, lot longer than half an hour. I would have thought. Crikey. Got looking back, anyway.
1: And presumably, you can't really hear much of people. You're just le- left there to stand there. To no, they'd be Maybe. very
2: distant. Action,
1: yes. <laughs> to, before you have to know. And it's weird because clearly they've got, I don't know, I mean it's there's nothing, there's just the actual scene where they, you know, um, the kips die. Mm. Um there isn't even the boat smashing the boat, they just I don't think they even move the tree. It's just the camera rushes up, it's a lot of about four or five close shots, sound effects, Claire Holman screaming. I presume that's Claire Holman screaming yeah. and not a not, uh, not Nazis Um and I think an oar uh into the um into the in, into into the sea, and clearly, it's like it's been done. I don't want to say cheap because that sounds pejorative, but economically, um, uh, should we should should should, should 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 we say in terms of um, the the location? Am I right in thinking that all the rooms, including say the room you filmed in for the, the hotel bedroom, the 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 uh, were all on location? They're they're not sets. They're they're you they're know, real rooms.
2: The, uh, the bedroom was location.
1: Yeah. So where you were on the dolly, that's that you were in physically. You know, you weren't on a set. You weren't in. No, weren't, that was. Well, I mean, that must have been restricting. I'd always assumed those things because I know they did the fire at Shepperton because obviously safety. Mm. You need to. You need to. Um, you need to build that, that 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 space in. But I'd always assumed like with a dolly and with the camera, that they, you just did that in close up in a studio. But no, that was in a that was in a room. Yes, wow. I, yeah. I
2: think Robert Taylor will know the answer to this with okay Um. Uh. I think it was um, an old pub or or a deserted pub uh, somewhere. Don't know where.
0: What sort of directions were you given? I mean, yours is a really, really impressive performance. Um, Some of the the expression that's sort of halfway between agony and cruelty that (laughs) the woman affects Mm -hmm. in... In a thing, really sticks with you? She, she has that look on her face where she's halfway between just like obsessed with revenge and just also really, really pained hmm. as well. Yeah. But I mean, what, what, what did, I mean, did, did Herbert Wise say things like just stand uh, there and look sinister or was there more to it than that? I mean, what?
2: No, I, d- I don't think I, I did have any um, direction. I, I, I knew what I was going to do. Uh-huh. You know, and um, and I was told th- there was the dolly, and and you know I I read the scene. I knew what was required. Right. And I know I th- I think I was probably told um, to do the scream scream, but of course it it's it's far more than a scream. Yes. You know, the rage.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. it exactly. It's rage, with him crying. Um,
2: you know. Tearing,
1: tearing out like that. I mean, I, I'm as you say, and that was just you live. That was yeah. they didn't didn't treat even
2: treat it. No, I didn't. I, I think they extended it over. Do you remember the bit where the sc- the screen goes black at the end? Yeah, and it continues. But it continues. Yeah, like a reverb.
0: Of oh, okay,
1: right. Yeah, they right. It repeated it mostly, yeah. yeah, but they didn't alter the the of the sound. That's that's oh, all. No. That's that's all yeah. you. That's that's fair yeah. That's I mean, it's impressive. all a
0: tremendous physical performance. I mean, it's one of my favorite physical performances in in TV and film, and I'm, I'm not just saying that. Um, and partly because of that sort of tension between stillness in Soki, as you said, she only appears five times, and when she does appear, apart from that pivotal scene where she terrifies poor, poor kid. Um you wouldn't think that just standing there would have such an incredible effect, but it really does. It's really, uh, really affecting.
1: I think there's a progression there. There, yeah. there though, yeah. the first time you you, you see it in the church still, second time in the church still, so, yeah. but in the third time, she still, walks. and then she starts, to, and it's suddenly the spell is broken. This is a this is now an immediate threat. The kids runs, mm. well, uh, which is a case sorry. of
2: being able to to direct concentration yeah. and thoughts, yes. and, and fixate him. And, and I think that's, that's the thing to the stillness.
1: I think so, because the fifth time, so on the lake, you don't need to anymore. The, pre- the complete incongruity of the presence is enough. You've seen that, sh- that um, Janet can move, conventionally towards her you've seen that she can invade uh, a, a space at will as the she's
0: mm-hmm.
1: you don't know. so by the time for fifth appearance it doesn't matter you know all that she's there
0: yeah
1: and 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 it is inescapable your fate is inescapable and i remember that the first, like when jay horror Became became a thing, and it was like you know the, the the curse would follow you, and people were like, "Oh, that's not fair! You know, this that's not playing by the rules." And no, this it's the, the rules are there, the and it's just you're you're taking very very specific rules that don't have to be followed, and this is and this doesn't follow them anymore. This is someone who isn't playing 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 by the rules, and you know it doesn't matter whether you know it's you feel that revenge is justified or not. You've got a child, and that's the most. Terrible. And I'm going to make sure I'm going to give you the pain that the, the
0: the 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 I had. My child. Is, I, I yeah. I've always felt those Japanese oh, horror too. movies. Sorry, I've always felt those Japanese horror movies actually oh. have a lot more in common with British horror movie horror. Yeah, they do. Older, so too. yeah. There's a lot of lot of lot more similarities. You have an island nation. You have concentrated places in like countryside that's sparsely populated between these concentrated population centers, and the way in which the hauntings express themselves in those stories, uh, you could draw a line quite quick, quite easily between a film like Ring, and The Woman in Black.
1: Yeah, you could. Yeah. You have
0: an innocent, an otherwise innocent figure who becomes an implacable spirit of vengeance mm-hmm. in both of those, and who appears very sparingly as well
2: which the, yeah. in the original we, we,
0: ring as well the original movie um the ghost of and i think she's called sadako yes, isn't yes. really given much in the way of special effects it's all done by simply just walking forwards with her hair in front of her face and that sort of thing. Um,
2: um, I don't, don't know that film at all. So. Oh,
0: it's uh, not one to watch when you're on your own. Oh. But yes. Um, but <laughs> there
1: is a similarity, I think, certainly you're right, between Janet Goss and and yeah. and, and I, I assume they're independent of each other because Japanese work comes out. But there yeah. is a, a similarity of, uh, again, a woman who was... Uh, um, Badly treated. Indeed, and uh, now takes her revenge on people that are ostensibly innocent, that you're part of, that's, that's, that's part of society, isn't it? Yeah, you're part of, if you're part of a patriarchal culture, then you're then, you're then part of, you then have residual guilt. But whereas the people in the ring, it's like the curse. It's like, if you watch the tape, you're cursed. Here, it's if you have a child. And one thing I never got from the book, which I think is disappointing, is there's a reference to Sam's character. It's not Sam Tuvi. It's Sam Dooley in the book has a grown up child. Um, but and it is far away and isn't part of the story. Neil clearly reads that and goes, no, th- this, the two of will have a child, but the child will be long dead mm. Um, because he's already faced that. Mm. He's already there And, you know, there's a lie. And I think Fiona Walker's character says, yeah, we, we weren't blessed. We weren't and, blessed. blessed yeah, yeah, and it's a lie. Blessed. They just don't want to think, yeah, or well, they weren't blessed or well, they were, their child was just... Taken from them, and you see the two v the two v grave, or the uh, the line of small graves in the church. That's we're just seeding that it's that that most terrifying of things a woman can do is not she of that that is supposedly in patriarchal society there to bear children destroys children, and it's that's a particular uh, corruption of of yeah. patriarchal views of feminine of femininity. I think that that is lost probably when you first when you first but have been doing it again is a particular a particular sense mm-hmm. of power to them. I think
2: the vengeful woman is, is a theme in in horror oh. and I refer particularly yes. to the Roger Corman movie. Oh yeah I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were reshown just recently on um, talking pictures TV. We got the fall of the house of usher yeah King of Lygia, um, Premature burial, um, all those. I I, oh, used I love, to love those, and I went to see them as a teenager at the ABC Blackpool. Which <laughs> I I absolutely love those films, but there's always either some vengeful woman, uh, or you know, a, a, um, some a, a seductress, you know, a destroying woman yes i, I mean, find
1: it
0: madeline usher yes in the particularly mm-hmm. um and that was the first horror movie i ever saw an uh, shown on bbc well, Two yeah. when yeah. i was a kid but uh madeline usher when you know it's entirely innocent and comes um, it's buried alive and comes back to, to to for one last final act of terrifying yeah. vengeance on
2: yes
0: on her brother vincent price and but it's always you created this situation. Yeah, it's it's always, always it's the situation. It's always the situation was created. Yeah, yeah ultimately
1: yeah. it's the, and that's, I think, the thing in particular, you know, if you're. If particularly if you're a man of privilege, if you're any man compared to a woman, but particularly if you're a, a person who in a priv- in a privileged situation, you know that ultimately you're benefiting from a from a uh, an unfair society, mm-hmm. and um, therefore you are complicit in some in, in 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 some way. And this is something that's outside of outside of your control. That's that's the real that's the real fear. It's the Indian burial ground. It's the you know you 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 know that, that they were wronged, and you're part of a system that has benefited from that wronging. Uh, and your your numbers up anyway. So I'm just conscious of just conscious of time. Yes. Um, do you remember when it when when the woman in black went out, Pauline, and what uh, what what the reaction was, either from people you knew or or more generally?
2: Well, I would be at my sister's house in Blackpool, and uh, I'm sure we watched it together uh, with her husband, and I don't think it was even remarked upon. To be oh. honest. No, I don't think it was.
1: God. I was eleven years old and can still remember it vividly. <laughs> Thirty-three yeah. years later. Cannot
2: you know, it was just I I Pauline doing doing one of them things again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, towards the end of my sister's life, she um she was um at home, she couldn't really go out, but the television was left on and it was ITV3 and when the carer came round you oh switch that off I'm fed up with the sights of her because it was Poirot. Also.
1: ITV3 is the Poirot and channel now it all it?
2: Yeah. over <laughs> again and again
1: it's nice and it's 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 nice though to see an evaluation I was saying when we first when we first when we first started talking that there was a there was a repeat uh, I think in 94 uh, and after that, there was, mm. there was nothing. There was a, 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 until I think the BFI showed it again uh, in 2013, they did a Gothic season and I hadn't seen it since, uh, mm. since transmission when I was 11. So this was, this was only nine years ago. So I mean, I'm in my mid thirties and I'd seen a couple of things that I hadn't seen since I was a kid. And they're always a bit, Oh, it's not quite as good as I remember. It's not quite mm-hmm. as the, my world perspective has, it has inevitably changed since I, I was 11, but this one, it had lost none of its power, and I was so pleased to see it. And then, was it two years ago? It, it finally got its it finally got its commercial commercial release. Yes, um, yeah. But you like, there's there's no cast involvement in that at all, is there? Which which I thought was thought a bit of a shame. That, oh, there's I know Andy Nyman does does one of the commentary, but he's in two scenes and he's there. Yeah. Uh, more. And it has Kim Newman and it has Mark Gatiss, uh, all of whom are great, uh, are great authorities and great fans of it. But, but I really, I really would have liked to have seen some, some involvement from you and Adrian Rawlins. Um, mm. Did you, uh, were you contacted or talked about it at the, at, at the time to talk to, 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 to remind? No,
2: should... no, not at all. No, <laughs> I, I think we, we knew it was happening, but that's all. No, they, they, they didn't approach well they didn't approach me and I don't think they approached Adrian either. At least he never said so.
1: No. Nah. Well he's not he's not on the disc. So that's um that's oh. that, that that's that, that's that's the shame. But it's 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 been wonderful to talk with you about this. Um it's been I think there's several occasions when we do these been doing this podcast now for a, a few a few years and we always for obvious reasons try to remain Completely professional um, when we when we do them, but it's always hard with the pe- with those people that have genuinely shaped moments in our in our lives. And yes. anything I've I've had from being a you know a, a writer on film or a, a, a TV critic is often shaped because of my love of, of 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 certain of certain things. And your the Woman in Black and particularly your your performance of that was a was a big part in shaping uh my experience with, with 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 television it's it's a huge privilege to sit and talk to you about about about, about it now and honestly this this may sound sound trite you don't look a day older uh, it's, well, it's
2: no, i was I thinking think that so. the whole time. <laughs> really? you well, do look
0: fantastic
2: i'm uh quite a bit i'm old in in fact my agent recently i won't say the age because uh, uh, i'm I'm not worried by it, but um film companies are because yeah. they find it difficult to get insurance for yeah. older performers, and I think that is an outrage indeed and I know yeah. equity's not too pleased about it either but but it's true and um uh, whatever happened to the Equalities Act is what I'd like to know you know the 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 protected um, ageism is is one of the protected um, items under the Equalities Act and why doesn't it apply to insurance companies and casting offices and it's it's not right.
0: No. I spent
2: four years on the equity council and right uh, okay. and and the position of older women in the business mm-hmm. right, the things which we were very very strongly um, interested in and and working. Towards uh, uh, a better future, but you know things move so slowly. um
0: The number of things you see where you have um, older women played by younger women aged up. Yes, um, I know. I very know. popular Netflix series last year, Midnight Mass. And although it is a plot element, uh, one of the characters' mothers mm. is played by a woman who is younger than me, but mm. you know, clearly supposed to be about seventy.
2: And yeah. it's yeah.
1: often I've often seen you have an older an older man with just a much younger wife um, than there needs to be because oh, it's, yeah. it's it's it is germane to have a younger um, female rather than it, there's no reason that he would have had a much younger wife when he could have had a wife of his own age but it's yeah well, it's, know, um, yeah
2: it's why why is it a problem because some of them the most experienced um, performers female performers you know you've got um, Brenda Blethin, who's a little bit older than I am, not much, but you know, right. um, you well certainly Helen Mirren. I think she's mm-hmm. a tiny bit older than me. I know these are, are high-profile high actresses, but um, you know what? What's the problem, Judy? Den she's now in her eighties, I think.
1: Yeah, I um, would hazard a guess that Jane Asher's probably older than you as well.
2: Well, I don't know. I don't know.
1: I think she's oh, she yeah is. yeah I'm pretty sure she's in her 76 77 mm-hmm. I think yeah um and still you know there's still some work well, here
2: she's in, only I'm a sorry. little bit older than okay, me okay as well <laughs> But, I mean,
1: she, I mean, she's a rare example of someone who was who was you know getting getting parts for being an incredibly attractive, or mm. and has still and his career did survive into middle age. And often those parts, mm. the women that play those parts, are the among you know, and the and among the the poorest served of an already uh, poor market in the older oh. in the in the, in the, old, the older category. It's
2: such a waste of talent.
1: Yeah, is it, it is it really is, and it's is. an insult to the to, audience. I'm
2: Sorry. happy to see that the BBC series at the moment uh, gentleman jack has mm-hmm. got quite a few older actresses including actresses uh, probably i think there's one 80 ish and certainly a few in their 70s right but, and it's a, a mainly female cast you know fe- female writers female production team and female leads so and um, you know it's very, very good indeed. I'm, I'm enjoying it.
1: Um, well, I think that's how it is. Is there anything particularly you, 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 you wanted to ask? No,
0: I, I think that we've, uh, we've covered pretty much everything. It's been an absolute joy to have you on, Pauline.
2: Um, well, I'm very pleased really to have and, been asked. I'm very yes. pleased to have been asked, and uh, you know, I, I look forward to hear, hearing this back again. <laughs>
0: Follow us on Twitter as Birdcast calling for some more news about forthcoming Nigel Neal centenary events planned around the country and the screenings of the newly found Quatermass Experiment episode. And hang in there for our next episode, coming very soon, where we're going to share some more Women in Black interviews. BirdCast is an independent podcast presented by John Deere and co-presented and edited by me, Howard David Ingham. Thanks for listening.